Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to go through the book of Nahum. We won't get through the whole book. It's only uh, three chapters long, but there is so much data that I've been putting together last several shows, uh, which you can probably soon find uh, on our web pages at preparingyou.com. Um, we did mention Nahum. We talked a little bit about it, but we're talking about things that are going on in our times so that we can better understand Nahum. Because Nahum was a prophet. He was one of the, they call him a minor prophet. Uh, because a lot of people don't depend upon Nahum's, uh, writings. And so, so that, and it's a shorter book than like Jeremiah or, or some of the other, uh, major prophets. Uh, but it's also more compact. He was also kind of a poet too. Uh, not poetry necessarily as we think of it, but, uh, one of the things that I noticed in Nahum is that he, added more letters to words, common words, of the time than almost any of the other uh, minor prophets. The other minor prophets do the same thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul did the same thing. Paul invented words in order to talk about the kingdom because the words of the time had been distorted or twisted or just were inadequate for describing the kingdom. Because people were all of the world. And the world, of course, that they were of was the kingdoms of the world. And that's what, you know, there's, like I've said many times, there are four different words in the Greek that are translated into the word world. They're not always translated into the word world, but the translators decided at least one or more times, actually more times, to translate certain words into world that don't really mean world. They certainly don't mean planet. Uh, one in particular is Aeon, which is translated age and translated world. Well, an age is not a world. But you could use the word that way. You know, like Wayne's world is the way Wayne sees the world, the way he looks at it. And we look at the world around us in a particular age or time in a certain way. And, of course, at the time of Nahum, he was looking at the world one way, and a lot of other people were looking at the world, their age, in a different way. And so you could use the word that way, but it can become confusion uh, or confusing to people if you translate a word that means age, world, because you'll... You'll hear them talking in the New Testament about the end of the world. And they're only talking about the end of the age. They're not talking about the end of the planet. They're talking about the end of an age. And you end an age and what happens usually is another age begins. And so people create whole scenarios and philosophies and theologies and eschatologies around the fact that they don't really know the word that they're looking at in the text. And they deceive you. It wasn't that the translators necessarily deceived you. They just translated the word 
differently than it probably should have been translated. But that doesn't matter if you're really following the Holy Spirit. If you're really following the Holy Spirit, you'll know what to do. And you'll get past all this because Christ sent the Comforter to tell you what the truth is. And that Comforter is what they call the Holy Spirit. If it's translated, the word that they're they're describing the Holy Spirit with is this Comforter. And a lot of people, if you're in confusion, if you're in anxiety, you probably don't have access to the Holy Spirit. So how do you get access to the Holy Spirit? Well, you start doing the things that Jesus commanded, that he directed. His his mandates. <laughs> That's what, when Christ mandated that he, you cannot be one of my disciples unless you sell all your property. That's actually what he says in the Greek. He says, sell all your property. They translate it, sell all you have. And what you have is your property. But the actual word there means property and would be better translated that way. But I, I'm accepting the fact that they translated hath. Uh, I don't require that you change the translation. I, like Christ, require that you learn to follow the Holy Spirit. And if you don't do what Christ said, the Holy Spirit will probably not listen unto you. You will continue to sit in darkness. And that's what was happening at the time of Nahum. People were sitting in darkness. Today there's lots of talk about mandates and and predictions by your prophets like uh, Fauci. And uh, Fauci's talking about a dark winter. That we're going to have a dark winter if everybody doesn't get vaccinated. That's he's he said that for quite some time now, talking about this dark winter. And then the term dark winter has come up. Uh, but Biden has used that term, dark winter. Uh, there's a whole uh, scenario called the dark winter that was uh, around back in 21, I think, which was about. A pandemic that attacked, a biological pandemic used as a biological weapon was used to attack America. It was just a scenario. And what would they do if this happened? As a matter of fact, in 20, there's a thing called 201 where uh, several people, uh, Gates and other people were talking about What if, this was before the pandemic, before anybody knew the word coronavirus, uh, they were saying, what do we do if we have this terrible pandemic of some strange disease that comes and starts killing people by the millions in America? What are we going to do? And their scenario was lockdown and, and develop a vaccine and force everybody to get it. You know, that's basically what their solution was at this hypothetical possibility just before it actually occurred. Except for it didn't actually occur. The Ferguson predictions of millions of Americans that dead within a, uh, the first year didn't occur. Uh, the doctors in our local hospital thought there would be 300 dead the first month of this pandemic in our county. Well, there wasn't anybody who died of the flu. There are people who got the flu, but they got better. 
eventually there were a couple of people that supposedly died, but they were like in their 90s or 80s or had all kinds of other morbidities. And so we didn't have much of that. We're one of the least vaccinated. We are the least vaccinated counties in the state of Oregon. And we still have the lowest death rate of anybody. Now, Vermont can't say that. Vermont is the most vaccinated state in the United States, or at least it was. And their their cases are up. I mean, by quite a bit, like 20%, 28%, something like that. Their hospitalizations are up. Their deaths are up. Uh, they're, they're hitting a high plateau, but they're the most vaccinated state in the Union. Same thing's happening in Israel. Same thing's happening in Scotland. Same thing's happening all over the world and lots of different places. And some epidemiologists who are in charge in different countries are saying, no, we're not doing this because uh, it, it's not giving us immunity. And we, if you go to Preparing You, you can look up on a page we have numerous scientists. They all predicted this. They all predicted that there would be what they call breakthrough, but they call it failure because the breakthrough cases are failure of the vaccine. And then there are Japanese studies by hundreds of scientists who worked on, on this Japanese study and they give you the mechanism of what's happening, which is ADE or enhancement uh, and breakdown of the immune system. And they're worried about the fact that the people who get the shot will have a total breakdown of their immune system against the wild virus in a year or two years, which was predicted by top epidemiologists but your news is not telling you that because they are a different kind of prophet they aren't the prophets of God they aren't filled with the Holy Spirit but we could see this coming for a long time that people were not listening to the actual prophets of God they were not listening to the comforter they were not listening to the Holy Spirit and therefore, they were making all kinds of choices. And this didn't just start in the last couple of years. This has started way back at the beginning. Well, it's it's always been around. But it's become more and more pervasive during the, uh, the I'll, I'll call it the reign of FDR. And uh, the reign of LBJ. And the reign of a lot of other people who moved America more and more towards a socialist state and the covetous practices that were condemned by Christ, you know, like the Corbin of the Pharisees. And what's happened as a result of that is people are unable to hear the truth. They're sitting in darkness and the light hurts their eyes. They, they, they stay away from the light because the light will not only expose to them what the world is doing wrong, it will also expose to them what they are doing wrong. And people aren't humble enough to see that. Well, here at Keys of the Kingdom, uh, we're going to be telling you the whole truth so that you can provide for it. And we're doing a lot of things behind the scenes so that you can provide for it. Learning a lot of things. And so, Nahum was this minor prophet whose prophecies are recorded in the Old Testament. 
his book comes uh, in chronological order between Micah and Habakkuk, which we, we've already done some things on Micah. And you can find that at Preparing You with the recordings and uh, the studies with the side panels that explain things. And we'll do Habakkuk eventually here too. And each time we do this, uh, we are trying to help you see how God works and how the system of the world works and how they work together or against each other. So that you can follow the ways of God. The way of life. Because the other way leads to a loss of freedom and liberty and and life. I mean, we have supposedly, according to the Declaration of Independence, a right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. That They struggle over that word happiness. What, what does that mean? But uh, fulfillment contentment, peace in your own life, uh, you have the right to pursue that. Well, I'm going to tell you that if you don't pursue it the way Jesus Christ said to pursue it, you're not going to find it. And uh, you don't have to read Jesus Christ in the Bible in order to, to know the way of Christ. You have to find the Holy Spirit. And what keeps you from finding the Holy Spirit is doing contrary to the mandates of Christ. Which we were not to be like the Pharisees. We were not to indulge in their system of Corbin, which is simply a system of sacrifice. And what was wrong with their system of sacrifice? Well, their system of sacrifice was mandated by men. Forced by men. Malachi and Gabi... Tax collectors came in and took your sacrifice, forced your offerings, in order to provide welfare for the general population and individuals in the population who fell on hard times. Always in Israel, your Corban was a free will offering, mandated by God, but not mandated by men. Mandated by God in the sense that he's telling you that if you don't go this way of casting your bread upon the waters and being charitable and caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. If you don't do that, your eyes will darken. You will sit in darkness. You will not know the right way. You will not even know what gender you are. You will not even know what the truth is. And you will, you'll fall and stumble into one ditch or over a cliff or whatever. So it's mandated by God because it's built into the system, into what we call natural law, because God is the God of nature. It's built into natural law. We have a whole, whole article and study on natural law at Preparing You. You can just go there and type in the search engine the words natural law and you'll find it. Because that's where we got it. And uh, and find out what the natural law is. All legal systems are created under the authority of the natural law. They, they follow certain patterns. Because the natural law pre-exists legal systems. Legal systems are systems made by men. And the natural law is made by God. And what you want to do is be following the will of God. Unfortunately, a lot of people 
imagine God. They create an image of God in their own mind and they follow that image of God. And they don't follow the real God. And then they have to justify the things and the conclusions that they come up with. Now, Nahum's name, his actual name in the Bible means comforter uh, or consolation or consoler. Well, he he was warning people that bad things will happen. He was telling them the truth. And so, how is that comforting? Well, it's only comforting to those people who are willing to see the truth, want to see the truth. Some people, I mean, why do you turn on the news? To find out what the truth is, what's really going on. Unfortunately, today, when you turn on the news, you're probably not going to know what's going on. They're going to deceive you. They're going to lie to you. (laughs) They're going to misrepresent things to you. Uh, there's all kinds of stories. We can go through hundreds of them. I mean, it's hard to know which one to choose where they completely misrepresented the truth. And one of the things that they seem to be misrepresenting is that if you get the vaccination, you will all be safe. When the evidence and the predictions of real epidemiologists who have no political agenda, you know, they're not... Uh, employees of politics and good friends with Bill Gates, but they're just actual scientists or predicting something much different than what they're saying now. You know, the, the original predictions of Ferguson, he, he lost his job and, and, well, he lost his job because he was actually, I guess, sleeping with uh, one of his patients, but, uh, one of his, not patients, but one of his students. Um, but uh, he should have lost his job because he had, he'd been making predictions for years and years that were completely felonious because he's, he's not very good at what he does. And uh, But he was hired. Well, we can't say he was hired, but he received like a $250,000 grant from Bill Gates. And then he comes up with these outlandish predictions, which they had to roll back. And they had to alter the way in which they counted cases and, uh, you know, Clues, uh, you know, as to whether they're COVID or not, they altered that very clearly. Altered that if you if you knew how they normally counted them and how they ended up counting them, you'd realize that there wasn't nearly the deaths that they say they are. Well, that sounds like a conspiracy, you know. And I I could probably hear people saying that, brother Gregory. That sounds like a conspiracy. Well, all history is a conspiracy, and. There were conspiracies at the time of Nahum. Uh, Nahum was supposed to be from a town called Eccleshite. Well, there was no town called Eccleshite. They cannot find any evidence that there was a town called Eccleshite. And so, was he really from Eccleshite? Uh, We've heard of the town of Capernaum. That was at the time of Christ. And some people tried to conjecture that that may have been Eccleshite because uh, the town of Capernaum, it kind of means the village of Nahum. And so they think, well, maybe that used to be called Eccleshite, but they can't find any evidence of that. that. That's just a guess. And so why would they call it the village of Nahum? So they say, well, must, must have been Eccleshite. But you should... 
the location of Capernaum would lead you to believe that there should be lots of material in Jewish writings, etc., that talk about where Echelshite is located, but they can't find it. And so maybe it wasn't that he was from the town of Echelshite, but he was uh, from, well, actually Echelshite itself. If you if you go to the uh, you know a study of that particular word uh, that uh, it uh, it it comes from uh, well it comes from a couple of uh, different sources but basically uh, it's we have it in footnotes there on the page that this Echelshite uh, could mean that it's a native or descendant of a guy named. Elkosh, and uh, and they don't have any location of him, but the word means God the ensnarer, and uh, or God the trapper, or or God's trapping, uh, and so you you look at that and you wonder, and there's actually an extra letter in the. That's another one of those words where he adds an extra letter at the beginning of the name, and. Uh, just slips it in there. It's already a, a kind of a large word to begin with, so it's a combination of other names. You know uh, why? Why we have the uh, Elif Lamad in there? El that means the God, and then he has this other word in there that means somehow other trapped or being trapped. Well, the fact is, is in the law of nature, if you violate the law of nature. The consequences in this cause and effect universe created by God is going to follow. It's it's going to be the next process uh, is is predictable, and if people see that process, they can predict what's going to come. If you look in the actual original Hebrew text, there is no word for town. That's just slipped in by translators. Uh, it says, you know, uh, of the visions of Nahum, the Echelshite. It doesn't say he's from the town of Echelshite. It's just not in the Hebrew. Somebody conjectured that into there, slipped that in to the actual translation. It doesn't actually exist in the original text. So those are, those are cause for questions. They don't prove anything, but I just wanted you to be aware of that as we look at this, that somehow or other Nahum was this comforter. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be a comforter. And he was from this place. Not actually, it doesn't even say, it says he is an Echelshite, uh, which he is explaining the cause and effect of God's universe. You know, the cause and effect that's built in. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. Now, there is a question uh, as to the time and purpose of this writings. There are those who suggest that his writings are a prophecy written in about 615 B.C. Uh, or they may be a historical account written as liturgy just after the downfall in 612 B.C., the numbers counting down, uh, reminding the people lest they forget what they did. And what happened and why it happened. And we're going to explore that as we go deeper, deeper into Nahum. And try to understand what's the truth.
Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, in this, uh, on this uh, original page, which you can go to at Preparing You, where I talk about Nahum, and uh, I, I took some time before I got into the actual text of Nahum, because I was doing a lot of research, looking at the original Hebrew text, looking at the words that he used. And uh, one of those words is, uh, you know, we see... Uh, mentioned is this Assyria where they're talking about uh, Nahum and Assyria. And so as to whether the prophecy was written in 615 B.C. or 612 B.C. after the fact uh, is not that significant because I actually believe that the poem as it is written because it is so uh, poetic and cryptic that it is both it is a record of the original prophecies of Nahum, which he spoke to people as he went about in Israel and uh, talked to all kinds of people. But it also recorded what he said in, in order to try to tell you and show you the process of God's ability to predict the future. I mean, we just talked that that Gates and other people were predicting the future that we were about to have a pandemic. <laughs> and if we did, we would have to shut things down and, and uh, do social distancing and wear masks and all this stuff because this terrible, horrible pandemic that is supposed to kill millions. And of course, now they can come after the fact and said, because we social distance, because we shut things down, because we spaced uh, and wore masks, that we didn't die have by, by the millions. That saved us. Well, that's a theory. <laughs> the fact is, is top epidemiologists, uh, Ian Edis, who wrote the book on virology, uh, modern virology, uh, said that if we do those things, we would actually have more deaths in the long run because we would prolong the presentation of herd immunity, which has saved us and Spanish flu, and all kinds of other things. Then there's all kinds of things you can do to prepare yourself if there's some sort of infection passing through society that's causing illness, whether it's bacterial or or, uh, uh, virological. Uh, But the reality is is that uh, it's kind of a combination of uh, cell theory and germ theory, that if your cells are healthy you won't have so much trouble with germs and viruses. And uh, uh, you only have trouble with them. The virus isn't what kills you. It's your uh, poorly uh, controlled immune system is what kills you. Uh, The virus is just part of your environment. But if you're really healthy, you should be able to overcome these things. And of course, people who are very old and and their systems aren't working as well. They're much more vulnerable. So you might want to protect them from unnecessary exposure. Uh, but uh, the reality is the young were very... Uh, young people didn't hardly get this, didn't hardly show any symptoms. They did rather well. Well, it's the same thing with those people who are willing to see the truth and have open minds and willing to admit and grow in that truth, they're a lot less susceptible to the lie 
and the consequences, the cause and effect of following the lie. They're not going to be as easily deceived about anything because they're willing to see the truth about most things. Uh, now, you may have that Achilles heel, certain things you don't want to see. Uh, but why is that? Why why do you have this unwillingness to see the truth? But anyway, Nahum explains this so that in the future people can read his prophecies and begin to understand the cause and effect in the universe. If you go certain ways, certain things are going to happen. And he's making a record of it. Now, he probably told the people in advance, but he also made a record to record the events that did take place. And so how is that a message to us? Because God is the same today as he was yesterday, and man is the same, and we make the same mistakes. So anyway, he supposedly preached during the reign of King Manasseh, or Manasseh, uh, who is counted, generally speaking, as an evil king, uh, and the history of Judah and kings. They, they weren't supposed to get a king to begin with. But God knew that they would probably fall prey to that foolishness of having somebody, you know, a chief executive officer who can exercise authority, you know, and, and write mandates <laughs> and make you do certain things. That you, Because you, if you're listening to him and following his mandates, it may sometimes interfere with God's mandates and then that gets you into a lot of trouble. It cuts you off from the comforter. Uh, not only did the king need uh, to learn the lessons of being a good king, the people needed to repent, think differently, not look to their king to solve all their problems, not look to their government to solve all their problems, and to repent of the idolatry in their nation. Again, most of the time where they talk about adultery and idolatry in the Bible, they're talking about national adultery, national idolatry. And so somehow other nations become idolatrous nations. Why? What? What is that? Well, we have a link on the page where you can go and look up and, and see what the, how they use that word idolatry and understand what that looks like. Because see, the Pharisees were engaged in idolatry at the time of Christ. Uh, they absolutely were telling everybody they were not. You know, they were worried about statues, but they were not wor- as worried about the statutes that they were imposing upon the people in their political system. Because things had changed, and we go through that in a lot of places, how, how they changed certain things. You know, well, one of the primary things is they supported the whole nation through free will offerings that were mandated by God, but not by men. Mandated by God that you take care of one another, that you love one another, that you cast your bread upon the waters, that you give these free will offerings. But there were no statutory penalties if you didn't. But there was a cause and effect if you didn't. And so this is one of the things that people who want to, you know, they see bad things coming and they want to run off and prepare and save their family if they're not interested in saving their neighbor's family as much as they're interested in saving their own they're not walking in the way of Christ or the way of God and so we talk about this these idolatrous nations that look to their government to take care of them 
and their welfare and all that stuff. They're idolatrous nations. They're engaged in covetous practices where men who exercise authority one over the other provide for the needy of their society. And Christ opposed that. He condemned that. He said that's, that makes the word of God to none effect. And it's contrary to the ways that Christ was talking about. But coming at least with FDR, if not before, certainly with LBJ and his war on poverty, uh, modern Christians, modern Jews, modern Muslims, modern Buddhists all started saying, yeah, let's have the government take care of the needy of society and we'll just go to our churches, our synagogues, our mosques, our Buddhist temples uh, to get a good feeling, to be justified in what we're doing, which is covetous practices, which Peter told you would make you merchandise and curse your children. But everybody engaged in it anyway. And the preacher said it's okay. You know, people get so uh, upset when uh, Franklin Graham says that Jesus would have got the vaccination. <laughs> they think, oh, that's horrible, that's terrible, what is he saying and everything. Although I'm sure many people went and got it because of he said something so nonsensical. But Getting or not getting the vaccination is not going to save you. It's repenting and thinking the way and following the way of Christ. That's what will save you. That's that's the only thing that will save you. But you have to know the way of Christ. And the only way to really know the way of Christ is the Holy Spirit. But how do you know the Spirit you're listening to is the Holy Spirit? Because we know that the Bible tells us that Satan can appear as an angel of light. He can appear to some people as the Holy Spirit, and he's actually leading you into the work to, be, to the works of iniquity. So anyway, so it would uh, mean that Nahum was written near the end of the Assyrian Empire. That's what they say, and he mentions Assyria and uh, its capital city, Nineveh, and. And the conquering of the northern uh, kingdoms of Israel uh, and exercising their power over Judah because they were, because uh, Israel was conquered, men who had exercising power of one over the other had exercising power over Israel. And this was the result of the fact that Israel was not following the way of God. They had become this nation of idolatry. And we've go, gone over what that looks like and how that operates in the world that we know today. But uh, most people don't want to get it because they're they're doing the same thing now. They're looking to men who exercise authority one over the other. Go back to the mandates. I've heard numerous videos uh, in the last week or so of people who are just outraged that they're making their kids, their first graders, second graders in public school, they're mandating that they wear masks and, and soon they will be mandating that they get vaccinations. And uh, uh, people says, we don't want these mandates. What gives you the right to do it? These are our children. Da, 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 on and on and on. The reality is those same people getting up there and saying that have been mandating for decades and decades and decades and decades. They had mandated it. Their parents had mandated it. Their grandparents had mandated that their neighbor 
pay into the treasuries of the government so that they could have free education. They were willing to pay in too, but, you know, if you have two, three kids in school, that's that's probably $60,000 a year. Where's that money coming from? It's not coming out of your taxes, your property taxes. Chances are, unless you live in a real mansion, then chances are you're sending your kids to private school anyway. But you've been mandating that your neighbor not only pay for your child's education, pay for your fire department, pay for your policemen, pay for your the old age benefits from Social Security of your parents that mandating that they contribute to the welfare of society to taxation. You've been mandating that for decades upon decades, half a century or more. And now you're complaining that they're mandating something to you that you don't like. Well, I home taught all my kids, but they were still mandating that I pay property tax to provide an education for all the kids in school. And yet I'd had parents calling me up because they said their kid isn't learning algebra or math or whatever it was and they can't explain it and they wanted to know if I could explain it to their kids. So now I'm taking out time for my day which, which part of was already taken away from me to send them to school. <laughs> now I'm te- teaching them what they did not teach their kids. And now the schools, because of the mandates of vaccinations, are about to shut down. All this is a product of the fact that you went away from the ways of God and you went to churches that tickled your ears and told you that you were saved because you said a magic phrase. Nahum talks about this. He does it in a few words, so you have to pay attention closely. You know, but a, a great deal of the confusion has followed the interpretation of Nahum by men like Calvin, uh, who Calvin didn't get it. I'm sorry if you're a Calvinist. I'm I'm sorry you you're going to be offended, but Calvin was wrong. But Franklin Graham is wrong too. There's a lot of people wrong out there. God is right. God sees the truth. God is the truth. God shares the truth with us through men like Nahum. But it doesn't do you any good unless you're willing to see it. And if you're going to run from the light, the truth, and the way, you're going to run into darkness. And the consequences of running in the darkness should be fairly obvious. God has created a cause and effect universe and tyrants would have no power to wreak havoc upon the people if the people had not already rejected the ways of God, his righteousness, and become tyrants to their own neighbors by mandating that their neighbors. I remember when we had a cemetery out here and it was... You know, dry land cemetery because of the fact that, uh, you know, this is a desert. And, but we were going to go all down and volunteer to clean up the cemetery, cut all the weeds, uh, put, uh, you know, kind of a, a carpet down over the graves and then line it with rocks and then cover it with gravel so that weeds didn't grow up on the individual graves and everything. We were all going to do that, volunteer to do that. We had nobody buried there. But our neighbors wanted to clean it up, and so we were doing it. Meanwhile, some of our neighbors were posting in the the paper, which we hardly ever read, uh, 
uh, local paper, that they wanted to put it on the tax rolls. The, the cemeteries on the tax rolls. So all the cemeteries, the public cemeteries went on the tax rolls and they hired people to come in and plant grass and they water it and they mow it on a regular basis and they make, make their living doing that. But they put it on the tax rolls. So, I mean, we don't even want to be buried there. We'd rather be buried in the church grass. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, when that comes time, we don't want to rush that, but, uh, uh, because, it's coveting your neighbor's goods. You're, you're mandating that your neighbor put grass on your grandfather's grave because you were too lazy to do it for yourself. You mandated that we pay for your public school education. Well, lo and behold, they've got now, now you got CRT coming in. Well, long before CRT, the, the public school books were not teaching your kids history. This is why you have vast numbers of people in your democracy, because that's what you've become as a democracy. You were originally a republic, but you you abandoned the ways of a, of a republic. You band, abandoned the ways of early America. Early American public schools were financed by free will offerings. Most of it, in some cases, all of it, was financed by free will offerings. The people built the school. They housed the teacher. They knew the teacher. They knew what they were being taught. Not so much anymore. Not hardly at all anymore. So anyway, uh, you make those choices. You've been in those choices, fulfilling those uh, that cause for decade upon decade upon decade. And now you're about to reap the results. Not only in education, where you see that... Uh, uh, 75% of the kids that come out of high school today think that socialism is good. Why? Public school is socialism the way you do it today. Public school before was not socialism because you was privately funded by free will offerings. You don't do that anymore. You don't even have the memory of doing that. And so the repercussion is taking place. And the same thing was going on in Israel at that time. But you've not only done it in education, you've done it in medicine. You've done it in health care. Uh, your health care is, you know, if you can survive uh, the the menu in a hospital, chances are you might survive the hospital. Because <laughs> what they feed you is often going to do more harm uh, than good. And then the medications they give you, the pharmaceutical uh, industry is into it for making money. It's not operated by love. It's operated by greed and desire for profit. Now, there's good things in the hospitals. There's good things in doctors. But they also walk in darkness. And some really, I mean, we heard a doctor the other day saying that you want to get the vaccination because then you'll have, it will, it contains the antibodies. They're saying that the vaccination actually contains the antibodies. That is just ridiculous. That is not what vaccinations contain <laughs> at all. But he actually thought that you would be actually being injected with the antibodies. No, that's not what they're doing. <laughs> so anyway, that's his ignorance. Let's see if we can get you a little smarter before the end of the show and the second show, which we'll get into the chapter. But uh, or at least chapter one. God has created this cause and effect universe and tyrants would have no power to 
wreak havoc upon the people if the people were not already wreaking havoc upon their neighbors. And they do this because they have already violated the warnings of 1 Samuel 8 and gone and chosen a king. Charles uh, Taylor Jr., he writes, It is one of the world's classic rebukes of materialism, referring to Nahum. All tyrants are doomed. They make enemies of those whom they attack and oppress. They become corrupt, dissolute, drunken, effeminate. They lulled in, uh, they are lulled into false security. So, who's the tyrant? It's, it's you. You have been mandating that your neighbor provide all these benefits for you through men who exercise authority. It isn't the government that's the tyrant. It's you that's the tyrant. And your parents and your grandparents have been tyrants forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. And so this is what you reek is that as you judge, so shall ye be judged. And that's exactly what's, what's taken place. If you read Matthew 7, 1, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So, have you not been mandating for decade upon decade, for almost a century, that your neighbor provide free education for you through men who exercise authority one over the other. Not only education, but now health care, uh, fire departments. Fire departments were voluntary fire departments. They needed money and people voluntarily contributed money to buy equipment. And they would, occasionally they would get professional volunteer uh, firemen who would also receive uh, stipends or pay but the people knew that we had, if we want to have a fire department, we have to pay into it. Because that was their insurance, that they had a good fire department. And so people paid for their protection. They provided the protection. They, many of, many of the people in the community trained as firemen in their spare time. So that they could not only protect their place, but their neighbor's place. But now we just put it on the tax tax rolls which empowers men to exercise authority one over the other. And by doing so, we are taking a bite out of our neighbor. You know, and so we need to understand that we are, we, we were always in a universe of cause and effect. And because we are in this universe of cause and effect, the choices that we have made, that our parents have made, that our grandparents have made, has made us vulnerable to what's going on in the world today. And, you know, that's what we were told. Uh, that, you know, that we had to be careful. And Micah talks about it too. Micah talks in chapter 3, who hate the good and love the evil who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, 
who also eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skin from off them. And they break their bones and chop them in pieces. How many people have been devastated, absolutely devastated by these shutdowns? Been devastated by being taxed. I mean, like people who own property, they can't evict people who aren't paying their rent now. People who are getting more on unemployment than they got when they had their wages are not also not paying their rent with that money that they have. They're not paying their rent and the guy can't evict them. And because they made laws. The men who exercised authority said, oh no, you can't evict them. So they're living there on free rent. Matthew 7.15 Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And what we've done is we have bitten one another, taken from our neighbor, until we ourselves have been devoured. And so now is a good time to start repenting, because it ain't over. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So... Let's go ahead and get right into Nahum 1 and take a look at uh, uh, the first verse. I have two footnotes already in the first verse, and it starts out, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Eccleshite. Uh, it doesn't say town of Eccleshite like some people say, but it just says the Eccleshite. The God and snare, because he's he's showing you not only how you are trapped by the world if you don't do the will of God, but you will be ensnared or protected by God if you, which Nahum again remains comforter, uh, if you follow the ways of God. And this is the book of the vision, so it's telling you about the vision. It wasn't necessarily written before the calamities that came, but it's going to record the vision so that you will learn from it, hopefully. Uh, and uh, the vision meaning maybe it was revealed to him in a vision, maybe it was revealed to him just by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's been around for a long time. It didn't just arrive with Jesus Christ. But if you follow the ways of Christ you and with the humility of Christ and the name of Christ and the character of Christ, what is the name and character of Christ? It's not Yeshua or Jesus or anything. It's, it's the essence of Christ. It is the virtue of Christ. And Christ came that the whole world might be saved. Not just your buddy, not just your family, but the whole world might be saved. He came that the whole world might be saved. That means all the people of the world and in the world might be saved. Now, they're probably not going to be saved, but he would, that's why he came. So that's, if you're coming together in the name of Christ, you have to be thinking in those terms. You don't want to be condemning other people who don't see the truth at this time in their history. So, he talks about this burden, and we and we see the word burden there. Uh, it's masa, and it's used not only in 
you know, it, it shows up like at least 50 times, maybe more, uh, because it isn't always translated masa. Uh, it always, it, masa isn't always translated burden. But it's in, we see it, in, saw it in Hosea and, and verse 8, uh, oh no, chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, Ezekiel uses it, uh, Jeremiah uses it, uh, Sephaniah uh, uses it. So, uh, and Zechariah, I think it's in there, yeah. Um, so it's, it's used by a lot of people and, and most of the time it's, it's translated burden. Uh, more than 50 times it's translated burden. And, but it's also translated song. And it's also translated prophecy. And set and exaction and carry away and even tribute. Because tribute would be a burden. And we know who is under tribute is the slothful shall be under tribute. And tribute is just taxes imposed by those kings, those prime ministers, those presidents you pick for yourselves, those rulers that you pick for yourselves. They get to impose tribute upon you. But it's because you're slothful in the ways of God, which is taking care of one another through free will offerings, which you, if you had done, you would not be under tribute today, but you've been slothful and so now you are. And the word supposedly, you know, is defined as load, bearing, tribute, burden, whatever. But the problem with a system that exercises authority and forces the contributions of the people, the Corbin, the sacrifice of the people, which is what the Pharisees had set up under Herod, and, and that was making the word of God to none effect, which is, that's a problem in itself, is that it weakens the people, doesn't strengthen them. It, it, it's a burden on the people, but it weakens the people. And that's, it also makes them human resources, or the way Peter puts it, is it makes them, it's one thing when they tax you for, you know, Saul taxed the people, forced the offering of the people in order to supply his army because he saw the, the enemy the Philistines mounting an army and he says, I need an army to get ready so it's, you know, well armed, well trained, well provided for us so that it can go out there and fight the Philistines. And so he forced a sacrifice because Samuel wasn't coming. And if Samuel came and said, oh, okay, we need to contribute to the army of Saul so that it'll be ready for the army of the Philistines when it gets here. Everybody would have probably contributed. But he was impatient. He forced the offering. And of course, when when Samuel did show up and saw that he had forced an offering, he says, you've done this foolish thing, Saul. Your kingdom will not stand. It will collapse because you've done this foolish thing of forcing an offering. And so, anyway, uh, that's, that's right in the biblical text. And so you've been doing that for a hundred years. That that wasn't necessarily what was going on during the American Revolution. It was going on during much of the Civil War, but all of the military was, many of them were supplied by free will offerings. I mean, back in the Revolutionary War, I pointed this out that uh, George Washington bought all the uniforms and all the rifles for the Virginia Regiment. And sometimes paid them out of his own pocket. 
that was still around. And and even in World War One, I, I point out that when they needed ambulances on the front lines in World War One, the people donated money to provide 2,000 mechanical ambulances, you know, with engines and stuff instead of horse-drawn, and the drivers, paid the drivers with free will offerings. That was still around. That's not around anymore. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> uh, so, that's a change. That change is going to have an effect. So, but that's the burden. When the burden is forced by men who exercise authority, it alters society. It makes society an adulterous society. So the burden of Nineveh, he talks about in the book of the vision of Nahum, and I should put in there a definition of Nineveh. What is, are we actually talking about Nineveh? Of course, Nineveh being the capital of Assyria and Assyria having this power. So what, what are they really talking about? What is that burden they are talking about? And do you bear a similar burden today? Is it tribute? Because we see the word translated as tribute. But if we, you know, if we go to the New Testament and we see a word there that is burden and uh, we see it in Matthew, let's see, 11.30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is Jesus talking about? Now, Jesus was a king. He was the rightful king and heir to the throne of Judea. He was also the rightful high priest because the rightful high priest was not uh, Ananias or his sons or or Caiaphas. That was a priest that came about from a Sanhedrin that recreated itself after most of the Sanhedrin had walked out because of corruption. And Jesus came and was showing them that corruption. And they didn't like it. But they were afraid to lay hands on him. Same as they were afraid to lay hands on John the Baptist, who was the rightful high priest. Who had left the temple after the murder of Zechariah. Who left the temple and taken the laver out to the desert. And was now baptizing people in the Jordan River, which was their representation of the laver. And the people who were baptized began to operate by faith, hope, and charity, taking care of one another through charity rather than through force. And, of course, this is what Christ preached. It's not what modern Christians do. It's what Moses preached. But it's not what modern Muslims do. It's not what modern Jews do. They take care of one another through governments who exercise authority. And... That will have an effect on society. It will weaken society. It will make you merchandise and it will curse your children with debt. That's a prophecy. But it's also what is an explanation of what has happened. This is why you're suffering today. Is because yesterday you would not follow the true way of Christ. You went to church, churches, buildings, listened to preachers, but they didn't tell you the truth of the fact that you should not be doing this and that it will have an effect. And Nahum is telling you how that effect will be. So you need to find out what else Nahum was telling you. 
uh, in verse 2, God is jealous. And the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth. Well, he says that twice. And is furious. And the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. So you're not the enemy of God, right? You're not doing anything. So what do they mean the Lord is jealous? I mean, there's a particular word there. It's uh, several letters. Kuf, Nun, Vav, Elef. And uh, it's from a word that actually means, uh, it is only uh, Kuf, Nun, Elef. Uh, so they put a Vav in there. In this word jealous. And that word jealous in this text is separating out from the nun kuf or kuf nun. They're separating out the elef. Elef is the relationship of God and man. You see, the more you have a relationship with God and the kings of men, the presidents of men, and the, you look to presidents and prime ministers and governments of men to provide what God would provide, then the more separate you become from the relationship of God and man. The natural relationship, stands for that relationship of the yacht of God and the yacht of man and that connection between the two. You're separating yourself from that the more you look to your leaders to solve all your problems. The kuf is the omnipresence, the redemption of the fallen spark. And that spark of God is, that's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a paradoxical letter that is composed of both the Resh and the Zen. Uh, and it has to do with holiness or separateness. But if you're separating yourself from God, you're, and, and that relationship of God, you may be attaching yourself to the rulers of the world, to the fathers of the earth, to the benefactors who exercise authority. Uh, the nun is supposed to be heir to the throne. You're separating yourself from being joint heirs with God by this, by looking to men who exercise authority rather than the righteousness of God. And you say, well, how could we, how could we have, uh, how would the kingdom of God be our social welfare system? We need the government to be our social welfare system. Take care of our parents and take care of the education of our kids. Take care of our health care. Well, not if you were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and with people who actually cared about you as much as you care about yourself. I can guarantee you that the men on the thrones of the world today do not care about you. They care about their power. They care about their ability to control. They care about their ability to force you to stay in your house or pay taxes or or do whatever they want you to do. Take a vaccination. They care about that power. If you were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ mandated, he he commanded that his followers, his ministers, not all the people, but his ministers... Make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, or there would be no loaves and fishes. And I would not put that off. 
People have been putting that off. People have been listening to us for 10 years, 12 years, 13 years. And they haven't sat down. They haven't organized. And so if you go to Preparing You and go to the network links uh, or hisholychurch.org or you get a hold of people that are in the network, you can join the network and uh, then join the living network by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It's your choice whether you want to do it or not. But if you don't do it, we may count you a foolish virgin when times get hard. And we know Christ slammed the door in the face of the foolish virgins, or at least he wouldn't open it up. I don't want to exaggerate. But this Vav is either a connecting word or a separating word, letter. And Aleph is, uh, the Aleph is this father-son relationship, and we are all sons of God. So this jealousy has to do with this separation. We put the word jealousy there, but when they look at it, they look at it in the Hebrew, and they see that it is, they're seeing what you're separating out uh, from you separating yourself. So the Lord uh, revengeth, the Lord revengeth. And so we have this word revengeth, and uh, which, you know, is mostly translated avenge, but also vengeance and revenge, uh, uh, take or uh, avenger, punish. And it's uh, it's got that nun in it too, as well as the cough. But it ends in mem. And what mem has to do with flow. So you're back to having that uh, divine uh, omniescence in some sort of a flow. In other words, this is just talking about that cause and effect universe I'm talking about. That I've been mentioning. That God will impose his cause and effect because it's already built into the nature of things. And the fact that he says it twice usually means if in the whole prophetic scheme is that he will do it on several levels and in more than one time. It's a continuous thing. If you, you go against the way of Christ, his cause and effect will take place. It will happen. And so, uh, then, then I actually have a footnote there even to the word and, uh, which there's, uh, these letters, uh, are actually in the place of the word and is where it says, Bob, be it, Aon, Lamad, are translated in, in uh, the New America Standard as avenging and wrathful. And the Lord in another translation is avenging God. Archer, wrath, takes, it has to do with the word, uh, ball. Uh, which is what you see, be it in Lamad. And that's, that's actually connecting, uh, you know, Baal is actually often translated man by itself, but of course it's not by itself here. It has this additional letter of our Bob. And, uh, and it's talking about an owner or a husband or, uh, which would also be a father or a ruler or a lord. So this is all incorporated into the meaning of that word plus the fact that they have this extra letter that Nahum puts in there. Which is, you're either connected to the Father in heaven or you're connected to the fathers of the earth. And so 
he actually slips that in and it has a lot more meaning than just and but uh it is is making a connection because when they read Hebrew it wasn't to be a spoken language but a written language Nahum is a prophet so he slips in these letters on purpose for a particular reason and so now you have this furious that's coming up which is uh Kima uh or Kima uh which is again uh, uh Chet uh Mem uh followed by Hay and uh it's it's translated fury or wrath or poison or furious or displeasure or rage or anger and it's supposed to mean heat, rage, hot, displease, indignation, anger. But God, you're not really, if you have the power to upset God, he's not really God. Okay? <laughs> but he is God. So what he's talking about is in this cause and effect universe, which he just repeated twice, this idea of cause and effect, this revenge, this automatic result, that uh it's uh you know it is part of that cause and effect that this furious nature we call it furious but it's really just it it is going to take place and it is going to take place in a powerful way in your life and it, when you have you just do this on a minimum scale within your own life the same thing will take place but if you're doing it on a massive scale whole nations will war against nations whole nations will go into destruction whole nations will decay away it's built in to the system if you don't go the way of the father if you separate yourself out from the way of the father the lord will take vengeance Again, that's the same word we saw as revenge. He will take that vengeance, that cause and effect, on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. So, who are his adversaries? Again, that's another word in the Hebrew language uh, that we see, uh, which is uh, uh, tzedek resh. And tzedek has to do with righteousness. And uh, it always is related to the faith of the righteous one. The foundation of the word to to hunt or harvest, even eat or desire. So the righteous, this is why Christ says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If it's not righteous, if it is unrighteous, that's not what you should be seeking. You know, the unrighteous mammon. He, he says that, you know, if you're snared, and and Paul tells you, David tells you, that your table can become a snare. And, and that's important to understand, that if you go and eat at the table of kings, Proverbs tells you put a knife to your throat because he serves you deceitful meats. Why? Because they will snare you. They will make you human resources. They will make you merchandise. And that that's already taken place. So 
now do you just stop paying your taxes? No, absolutely not. You be friends with the unrighteous mammon, but you start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You do that by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start trying to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Uh, our reports from uh, a minister in South Africa was that people who were trying to bring food to people who were actually starving in their homes during the shutdowns were stopped sometimes by police and the food that they were taking was confiscated. And they were cited, sometimes even arrested, trying to help out their neighbor. But they were, they're very unorganized for most of the people in South Africa because they're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands either. If they had been doing for the last 50 or 100 years what Christ actually said to do, instead of listening to these preachers who are making a living off of tickling their ears, and they were actually sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, taking care of one another through free will offerings instead of the forced offerings of governments who exercise authority one over the other, they would not be in the predicament they are in now. If they were teaching that to the... All the inhabitants of South Africa, that that is the way. Don't build hospitals for them. Don't build schools for them. Teach them how to build for themselves. Help them out with voluntarism, not with forced taxation. Now they're they're in danger of being overrun by communists, but they've taught socialism to the people for the last 50 to 100 years. That's not righteous. Socialism is not righteous. It's self-righteousness. It's men setting themselves up. That's why the socialist state, the communist states, have to do away with religion because they're the religion. That's I heard a preacher say this many years ago, read what he wrote, is that socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. And what is religion? It's taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. You don't do that anymore in America. You don't do that anymore in the modern churches. And of course, this is what was going on at the time of Nahum. The righteousness, and that that word there that they have there, that uh, is is translated, actually has to do with a word, tzedek resh resh. Uh, tzedek resh is the word we see there, but tzedek resh resh is to bind. And in the Declaration of Independence, it talks about dissolving the, the those bonds that have connected us with the King of England. But now, through FDR and LBJ and all these social welfare programs and public school and everything, we have dissolved the bonds that have connected us with righteousness which is what made America great. And so we see this word without the double resh, but the tzedek resh only. The resh meaning this process of clarification. It's that fulfillment of the consequences of the cause and effect universe that God created. And uh, the, the word is actually sometimes defined as narrow, even translated narrow. Because the way of righteousness is narrow. The way uh, to the kingdom of God is narrow. It's not broad. You can't bring in this socialism and still tell me you're headed towards the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But anyway, we'll continue this more after the break. 
but I'm hoping you're putting some of the pieces of the puzzle together. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we're looking at Nahum. And we've only got down to uh, like verse 2. We may get to verse 3. But uh, I spent a huge amount of time looking at Nahum. And uh, I would constantly go back and forth because Nahum uses words that don't appear anywhere else in the Bible. And he uses combinations of letters added to those words that uh, are unique. And make the words unique, so to understand them. And uh, one of those words was this word that we were just looking at, which was uh, uh, the enemy. And the word for enemy is Aleph Yad Beit. And uh, Aleph, again, is that relationship of God and man. Yad is this other Yad, uh, divine spark, which we see appearing twice in the letter Aleph. And then be it. So that would sound like that should be a good thing rather than an enemy. Just looking at the letters. But that is not the way the word appears in the original text. There's just three letters there. And that's what they say that word means. But when we actually go to the word that we find in the text of Nahum, we see Lamad, Elif, Yad, be it. Yad, Bav. And that's very much different. They've added three letters into this word that we don't see in the original text. I mean, don't, don't see in the original definition of that word. Isaiah uses it twice. Uh, but Nahum uses it only once in this verse 2. And uh, so what, what does it actually mean? They, they, they translate it enemy. And the original word is supposedly means enemy. But uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of occurrences of the original three-letter word. But it has all kinds of additional letters added to it in different places. And these letters add to the meaning of what the author is trying to say. So, who is really the enemy of God? Who is really the enemy that Nahum is talking about here. Well, the clue is in those letters. Again, though, all this technical stuff, some people will start to swim in that, not understand it, and uh, it will seem confusing. But basically, what I, I think he's trying to tell you, especially repeating the phrase, Lord revengeth, Lord revengeth, is that you live in a cause and effect universe created by the Lord, And it's going to be automatic. It's going to become very strongly evident that if you go a particular way, if you don't have the religion of faith, hope, and charity, if you don't have the religion of love, which is what Christ was preaching so that the whole world might be saved, that you're going to end up with socialism. And if you end up with socialism, according to Karl Marx, you're going to end up with communism. Of course, before you end up with socialism, you start... You have to have democracy, and of course, democracies always fail, according to historian after historian after historian, who predicted the future and were right, because democracies end up making selfish people, where you will have the ability to take a bite out of one another. And 
ultimately be devoured by that choice of taking a bite out of one another. That, which is why in the New Testament, they warn you. They tell you. You know, in Galatians, not to take a bite out of one another. Be careful that you don't take a bite out of one another. Lest ye be devoured. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's what they're telling you. Galatians 5.15 But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Because God has already built into the system of the universe he created, the nature of the universe that he created, this cause and effect, that if you judge that it's okay to force, mandate, that your neighbor take care of what you want, then someone is going to come along and impose those mandates on you. And you can scream and yell all you want in the uh, uh, school board meetings. You might end up getting them out. But it's like, it's the same thing a lot of people do in medicine, is that they treat the symptoms. They found out that a lot of the things they use to treat the symptoms. You have a fever, they give you a medication to lower the fever. But you get sicker. Because the fever was to help cure you. Now, of course, fever get too high, you may have to do something to lower it. There's a lot of ways to do it without sticking in a pill that randomly goes about in your whole system and does all kinds of things. But it's it's easier than actually sitting up all night with a sick kid, which I have done, slept by their bed, <laughs> checking on them every few minutes, uh, and then going to work the next day. That was fun. But uh, they lived. They survived. They grew up. And uh, that's... I'm a better person for it. I think they were better people for it because they saw the love and caring for them. But uh, they saw the sacrifice that comes with being a good parent. Uh, Communism wants to end family. And then you will only love the government because everything that good comes from the government. I always remember a Muslim who was a good friend of uh, Moshe Dayan who was uh, the Prime Minister of Israel at one time. He was the patch guy, one-eye guy. And he lived in Israel long before World War II. I mean, his parents had come there long before World War II. But uh, he was talking to that Muslim, and and the Muslim, sarcastically speaking, uh, said that he realized today all bad things come from God. All good things come from government. And he explained that, you know, there's a drought and then the government brings relief and and all these things. And it's focusing your attention more on government is your solution. When actually God is your solution, but you have to understand what God is telling you to do. And of course, that would be including the mandates of Jesus Christ. It's actually the mandates of Moses. To sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to create a social welfare system which is what religion is. That's what religion is supposed to be. Today, Google will tell you that it's what you think about God. And we have people dividing themselves into 40,000 different denominations because of what they think about God. And almost none of those uh, uh, denominations have anything but a token charity because 90% of the people rely for 
or maybe 100% in many churches, rely for 90% of their welfare to men who exercise authority, which Christ forbid. He mandated that you be not like the governments of the Gentiles, the other nations, which tells you that by default, Christianity was a nation unto itself. It was a people, a peculiar people, but a people unto themselves that took care of the needy of their society through faith, hope, and charity when there were dearths in the land. That's what we see all through Acts. It's right there in, in black and white that Paul's Barnabas are taking up collections and going from uh, one part of the empire to the other to provide welfare. Support, hey, that, I mean, they're helping each other out, but sometimes they fall short and they were able to depend upon this vast network of Christians all over the world from country to country to help supplement their needs during serious famines because the famine moved across the Roman Empire little bit by little bit. And if you were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you would be prepared for the famine that's coming in America. The food shortages, the rationing. That's coming in America. But you'll have to see that the way you've gone, this way of mandating that your neighbor pay for your welfare and benefits is going to create a burden of which many of you will not be able to withstand. But you have judged that it's okay to force your neighbor to do what you want. You just don't like it when your neighbor forces you to do what they want. And many, many people are now voting for more and more socialism, more and more communism, more and more government control. You hear them shouting and yelling it, wanting to force you to do this and force you to do that. But you've been forcing, your parents have been forcing, your grandparents have been forcing their neighbors to do what you should have done through charity. And so what do you expect? You expect the vengeance of God because it's built in. It's automatic. And it can be seemingly fierce and wrathful. The word wrath isn't even in the text but uh, of that verse too. But the word furious is. But it means it will be with great power because it's built into the system. You can't escape it. You can repent. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands start taking care of one another through love. And if you don't do that, we'll have to go back to 1 Samuel 8. He says that you go this way of rulers to take care of you. Provide your defense, to provide your welfare, to provide your education, to take care of your parents. You go that way. And when you pray to me, I'm not going to hear you. I will not hear you in that day. That warning is over and over again in the Bible. But preachers are telling you, oh no, God's going to hear you. Even though you do these wicked and terrible things. And that's what we see in verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger. In other words, he gives you time not to do what you've been doing. Because it's cause and effect and the effect is not always immediate. It's always put in place to get to that effect. You know, the the instrumentality is put in place and you started down that road, but you haven't got to the dangerous spot yet. It says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. 
and will not at all acquit the wicked. Jesus talks about that. Many people think they're Christians. Oh, we're Christians. But he actually says, no, you're not. You're workers of iniquity. Why are they workers of iniquity? What are workers of iniquity? I don't have a link right there to that, but I'll put it in where you see that word wicked, which is not in the original text, but is inferred by these other words. He says, I will not acquit at all. And so, this is going to happen unless you repent. And the wicked is the workers of iniquity. And those workers of iniquity are those who desire to get benefits at the expense of their neighbor and are willing to mandate him through governments who exercise authority, which is contrary to the commands and mandates of Christ, which makes you an enemy of Christ. It makes you an enemy. You can profess him. Say, Lord, Lord. But you're not doing the will of the Father. And James and Paul is telling us that people like that, those aren't Christians. Those aren't followers of Christ. Don't have anything to do with them. Now, we should have something to do with them. We should, you know, we can take care of them. According to the leading of the Holy Spirit, I can't tell you who to take care of and who not to take care of. But we have to do this in hopes that they will see the light as well. Because we have, but we have to do it out of love, which is charity, and charity, which is love. And it doesn't mean you just give and give and give and give to everybody, you know, handing $20 bills out the window to somebody on the side of the road with a sign. You have to give responsibly in a way that will strengthen the poor. So, he goes on to say, you know, that, uh, well, we'll just read it again. It's worth reading again. The Lord is slow. And I, I have a connection there to show you the word slow there. Uh, and it is translated slow about nine times. But it's Elifresh, cough. Uh, that's the actual letters that appear there. Slow to anger. And now the word anger is a little bit different. And there's a whole word that they don't even put in to the text. Uh, which is actually, whenever you see these whole words that they don't translate in the text, that is suspicious. I don't know, like, why didn't you put that in there? Uh, because there's this, this whole word of vav, uh, gimel. Gimel again is the word for, the letter for cause and effect. Uh, resh, vav, lamad. And there's no accounting for that word in the text. And it actually has a kuf at the end of that, but it's separated out. But um, why don't they translate that? They do translate the word anger, and they they put that in the text. But what, why are they leaving out uh, this whole word in the text? And I'll probably be adding to Nahum over and over again, to the side panels I've had to stretch out because there's just so much richness in there. Because again, this is another one of those poets. And poetry, the way it's written, is to add in a certain word, in this case often a certain letter or something, to give extra meaning and to refer you back to known principles that are in the Torah and the Tanakh. And uh, 
and people don't get it. But of course, they, they've read the New Testament, which is in Greek, which should be easier for them to understand, and they still don't get it. They think, oh no, it's okay to go to men who exercise authority one over the other, uh, for our benefits. Even though Christ said, no, it's not okay. You're not to do that. And they do that, and when you point that out, and they say, well, our church does charity work. Yeah, well, how much, how much welfare do they get from the state, and how much welfare do they get from the church? Well, 90% of it is from the state. So, what does that put? If it was 51% from the state, that would be enough to say that their God is the state. Oh, no, no, our God, we believe in Jesus Christ. Well, you're not doing what he says. And he says, not those who say they believe in me, but those who do. John says that even. Matthew says it. John says, John says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what they said Jesus was saying. But you're not keeping his commandments. It's certainly not with thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Because you've been mandating that your neighbor give up his goods so that you can have free stuff for more than half a century. And so that's where you're at. So if you want to go back to normal and think that that will take back to normal will take you back here again. Because what was normal 10 years ago brought you what is normal today. If you want to go back to Christ, you can't just go back to normal. You have to repent and go back to the ways of Christ. That's that's the only solution to this. You 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 go get Trump elected or somebody else elected. It it looks like uh, there might be a few guys trying to set themselves up to run for president one of these days. <laughs> or Rand Paul or Cruz, Cruz has run before. He might try it again. Um, but none of those men are your salvation. Uh, it, it's just not. The only salvation is to repent and start going what Christ do, what Christ mandated. Sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So, anyway, that's. That's where we have to go, and that's what we're trying to show you at preparing you and at hisholychurch.net. And as the rest of this verse 3, we'll at least get to that maybe. It looks like we have enough time. The Lord is slow to anger. Again, that cause and effect is slow. It's a process. And great in power. It's inevitable. You're not going to escape it. You know, that power, that word that we see there as power is actually more often translated strength, about 47 times power, seven times might, uh, as in mighty, and uh, three times force, two times ability. Now, some of those variations may be because of adding of letters, but basically it has to do with, you know, what is powerful, what is strong, what is, it, it's it's built in. You're not going to get away with it. And will not at all acquit. You're not going to get away with breaking these basic fundamental rules. You know, that word to acquit. Uh, it is translated acquit, but it is also uh, more often translated unpunished or guiltless or innocent. You're not innocent. You haven't been innocent in this. You've been mandating to your neighbor and now you're upset because your neighbor's mandating to you. And your neighbor 
I don't know if it's the majority or not. doesn't really matter. They're the ones in power are mandating this. People are losing their jobs. A, a nurse got the vaccination. She want, didn't want to get it. She wanted a religious exemption. They denied her that because I tell you it's not an exemption. In the codes, in the U.S. codes, it tells you their rules that you can refuse this. And it actually tells them in their codes that they have to inform you that you have the right to refuse this. But they don't inform you because they also put in their codes that if the president deems that they don't have to tell you, then they don't have to tell you. Although he has to put it in writing that they don't have to tell you. And he has somewhere. He's put it in writing so they don't have to tell you. That you have the right to refuse. So you're out there filing for an exemption and you actually have the right to refuse. It's crazy. It's insane. But people don't know what they're doing. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit. The wicked, those people who have been mandating to their neighbors, the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So if you want the power of God in your corner, you need to repent because don't run out ahead of God, you know, because then you're going to end up in a world of hurt. You want God between you and all the armies of the Pharaoh. People always ask me, does this, all the stuff that we preach work? Well, it gets you down on the shores of the Red Sea. It gets you out of Egypt together as a people. Old, young, rich, poor, as a people. Down on the shores of the Red Sea with the sea at your back, the people at your back. And all the armies of the Pharaoh coming down on you, wanting to stick something in you. But they can't. Because the power of God is in their way. The power of the whirlwind of fire is in their way. If you want to get that, now how that will manifest itself, I don't know. But I know that that is true. But you have to really repent. And seek real righteousness. And it's not righteous to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Christ made that clear. It will make you merchandise and curse your children. Peter made that clear. We will know if you're really a Christian whether you're doing that or not. James makes that clear. Paul tells us not to have anything to do with people who are coveting their neighbor's goods. And these covetous practices of socialism and communism. But you've been doing it for so long that now that power, that vengeance, that cause and effect of God has taken place in your life. And you're complaining. Don't complain. Repent. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, we have a page at Preparing You that you look it up. Just type in refuse up there in the search engine and you'll find it. And it shows you the law. Don't file for an exemption. Uh, whatever you're supposed to file, don't fill it out online. Take the time. Fill it out in person. Give it to them and say that you refuse based on this code. And we show you the code. It's 360BBB. And we show you the code where they don't have to tell you. And we show you why on that page. But more important... If you want to have the power of God, 
behind you. You have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ mandated and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity as much as you want others to take care of you. And until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. So join us on the network. Join the network. Join the Living Network. Start doing what Christ said and God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.